Welcome to this NFL Mock Draft special of the Peepcast brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh man, am I excited for this episode today. Today I'm going to put out my first ever mock draft. That's crazy in itself. As into and passionate about football as I am, I never actually sat down and put together a mock draft. So I'm really excited about that. I've always just been really concerned with who my team is going to select, why they're going to select that, that person. What position are they? Do we really need that person? So this is really exciting for me, but that's not it. I got something else in store for you guys, and I brought it up on my last podcast. I am challenging you to beat my mock draft, and the challenge is called Beat the Peebs, and here's what's at stake. Together with my sponsor, I am putting up a $50 gift card to my favorite restaurant and our sponsor, Buffalo Wild Wings, for the top prize. You don't have to to buy in. You don't have to do anything other than to submit to me your mock draft, okay? Super simple. Just submit to me your mock draft by April 28th, which is a day right before the first round of the draft, and you can submit to me your mock draft through our email, thepeepcast at outlook.com, or... You can submit it to the Peepcast official page on Facebook. Again, that is the Peepcast at Outlook.com or the Peepcast official page on Facebook. Just search the Peepcast and you'll be able to find it on Facebook. I've invited every single one of my friends on Facebook, so I really know that you guys have access to this. All right, now here's the rules, okay? Each correct pick is worth that overall selection in points. Okay, so for example, the first overall pick is worth one point, the second is worth two points, and so on and so forth. The mock draft that beats me, that's going to be the first qualifiers, you got to beat me, and scores the most points wins the $50 gift card to Buffalo Wild Wings. So, also to really simplify this, there's going to be no trades in my mock draft. So, I'm not going to have any crazy trades and, and, and spot swapping or anything like that. So it's going to be really simple. So as of today, which is April 19th, whatever you know, teams are in that current spot, that is how I'm selecting these players. Okay? But I also want to, want to clear something up here. So I do anticipate there to be trades on, on draft day or, or from now forward. So to make this super simple and so you don't have to submit to me three different ones if there's something that happens or if there's a trade that happens on draft day to think, oh, no, my, my mock draft just, just took a dive. The main point is the player at the overall pick is, is what counts. So, for example, uh, let's say that Denver traded spots with Carolina in the draft and you happen to have Carolina taking Trey Lance. But in, on draft day, Denver jumps Carolina or swaps picks with them and they take Trey Lance at number eight. And you had Carolina at number eight taking Trey Lance. That's totally fine. You pick Trey Lance at number eight, you're going to get that, that pick correct. Okay? So super simple. Don't worry about the trades. Um, but I just wanted to really clear that up. It's really going to be for the player at that, that specific pick to get the points. Okay? So... You guys got it? Are you guys ready? You got your paper down? You looking everything up? You scrambling around? 
because here it goes. I'm starting my picks here in just a few minutes. <laughs> just kidding. We're starting right now. And just like that, without further ado, the Jacksonville Jaguars are officially on the clock. Okay, this one's fairly straightforward. So Jacksonville Jaguars have really been on the clock since the end of last season. So they haven't, they haven't traded out of it. There's been a lot of talk about who's going to go. Just There hasn't been a lot of talk. There's been one player and one player only that's going at number one overall. And this is really a gimme. If you get number one overall wrong, I'm extremely disappointed in you people. You got to listen to me more. Okay. The first overall pick going to the Jacksonville Jaguars is a quarterback from Clemson, Trevor Lawrence. Let's talk about him real quick. So three straight seasons of over a 90 PFF grade. Uh, what really sets Lawrence apart in a loaded quarterback class is really how quickly he sees the game. He is the only quarterback who has played 200 snaps against the Blitz over the last three years and has graded over 90 on those snaps. So Jacksonville's going to get a good one, and Urban Meyer is going to be really, really happy with Trevor Lawrence. So with the first overall pick in my mock draft, Trevor Lawrence going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, number two. This is where I feel like this one's about 90% locked in, um, barring any crazy uh, draft day trade or anything that's really you know, out of left field. I really think the, that the New York Jets are going to select from BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. This, this again, this, this is really almost, almost a no-brainer. There is a little bit of doubt around this, um, but you know, for the last few weeks, um, it, it's been reported really heavily that, that the Jets are going to select Zach Wilson. Um, he he's a really, really good quarterback. Um, you know, as I talked in my, in my last podcast, I do have some, some concerns with his overall weight, but he has a really special arm. He does possess special arm talent. He reminds me a lot of how Aaron Rodgers can flick that ball. There's not a lot of guys on planet earth who can just simply flick a ball and it goes 60 yards. It's really like a flick of the wrist and and it, it's got a lot of zip. He's really, really accurate. Um, the only thing that I start kind of worrying about, um, and, and again, I, I mentioned this before, is he really only had one big season. Um, he did have an overall grade higher than, uh, than Trevor Lawrence at a 95.4 last year, but um, he didn't do it against really top competition. And, and when it comes to these quarterbacks, you know, that's, that's such a, a big thing. But nonetheless... I'm solidifying that pick, Zach Wilson, number two to the New York Jets. All right, this one is near and dear to my heart. And if you've had any sort of conversation with me over the last couple weeks, you've seen in my eyes the passion that I have for this pick and how ridiculous things have been around this pick. It really should not be this difficult, and I cannot believe and I'm on air saying this, and it's recorded, and it could really turn out bad for me. But Mac Jones is not going number three to the 49ers. They did not trade two first-round picks, two future first-round picks, 
to get Mac Jones, okay? Let's just think common sense here. Let's just think common sense. That is not happening, okay? So, let me settle down. Easy. All right. 49ers are going to select at number three, Justin Fields out of Ohio State. It's the only pick that makes sense to me. I can see them potentially taking Trey Lance, but Justin Fields just, just makes sense. He has done it um, over a long period of time. Um, he has three consecutive seasons. Now, one of those is, is just kind of a, a over about four games. But when you turn on his film, he is deadly accurate with that ball. And he is not a running quarterback. I do not care what Mel Kuyper says. I do not care what some of these pundits at ESPN say. It's really a shame that they get paid the amount of money that they get paid to make these picks. When, when you look at the film saying, oh, he's a, he's a running quarterback. Oh, he doesn't process things, process things very well. Oh, he really does. He actually is the highest rated quarterback in college football after his first read. You know who's the lowest? Mac Jones. So please stop with this nonsense. Anyway, before I cut my own self off, um, he is three straight years of 90 and above pro football focus grade. He was the third overall quarterback, uh, graded 93.6 last season, uh, 6'3", 228 pounds. He does not look to run. He's a, he's a pocket quarterback who can run, and when he does run, he can go really, really fast. 4.45, second 40, he can fly, okay? He, all right, I'm going to stop talking to him. You guys are going to start to think this is a 49er podcast, and that's not what I want. But Justin Fields is going number three to the 49ers. Book it. You heard it right here. I'm not talking any more smack about this. That's it. All right. Number four. Now, I am going to give you guys a little bit of a heads up, okay? So I do think there is potential that Atlanta trades out of this pick. They've, they've been shopping it for a while. They have come out and said, hey, we are open to trading this pick. But for this mock draft, I told you there was no, there's no trades. So we're not going to do any trades. We're going to start right here. And I have the Atlanta Falcons selecting not a quarterback. There's some people who think they, they might want to come up and get a quarterback. But no. Kyle Pitts out of the University of Florida, tight end slash receiver, whatever you want to say. He is the best player in this draft I have going at number four to the Atlanta Falcons. Now, this is really crazy when you think about it. Number four overall for a tight end, but just calling a, him a tight end is really selling him short because if he lined up out at receiver and he had the WR next to his name and pitcher, on ESPN or whatever game he's playing, he could play wide receiver. He easily could. He would be the best wide receiver in this class if he had a wide receiver designation. But he's lined up at tight end. But he is a massive human being. He is six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds, and that dude can run. Okay, he has the ability to beat one-on-one -on -one coverage. He is a red zone threat. The only knock on him at all from all my research into Kyle Pitts is that he is not the best blocker, but that is something that you can teach. He will learn how to block in the NFL. But I promise you, there's not going to be a lot of circumstances where that guy is not out in a route or some part of a concept to get him the football. He is that scary. I have actually heard a lot of 
and read a lot of reports that says that he is the most surefire pick other than Quentin Nelson in the last 10 years. They really think that, like, he's a Hall of Famer. Like, you can say you're drafting a Hall of Famer at number four in Kyle Pitts. So, if Atlanta stays at number four and does not trade that pick, I believe that they're going to take Kyle Pitts out of Florida, and I think they'll be very, very happy with him. All right. Let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals. They're up at number five. And this one could go a couple different ways, and I've, I've really swayed on this a couple different times, but what really solidified it for me is who their quarterback. And their quarterback is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow played at LSU. And while Joe Burrow was throwing passes and winning the Heisman in 2019, do you know who he was throwing to? A guy by the name of Jamar Chase. And Jamar Chase caught 20 touchdowns with Joe Burrow as the quarterback. They have a great chemistry, okay? They have a really great chemistry. I've gone back and forth, but I really, really think that because he's the quarterback and they don't have any really crazy, you know, needs at tackle, they have they have two tackles that, that can play. They could, of course, get some depth, but I really, really think it's Jamar Chase because of the connection with Joe Burrow and they're going to want to draft him, and that is that can be a really solid connection over you know the next few years in Cincinnati. So, with the fifth overall pick, I have Jamar Chase going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, Chase is ridiculous, and he was doing it against guys in the SEC like AJ Terrell and and Trayvon Diggs, who have come into the NFL since then and have been really really good players. They're really good, the, the best starters on their respective teams, okay? He has 24 deep catches uh, in, in 2019, and that is the most that we've seen in a single season. He had 20 touchdowns, okay? He's going to be a really good pick at Cincinnati. All right, next up, we got the Miami Dolphins um, at number six. And, uh, again, I, I really was kind of swapping, you know, going back and forth between um, Jamar Chase going to the Cincinnati Bengals or going to the Miami Dolphins. Um, but, you know, really they have made a really big statement in saying that, that uh, Tua Tagovailoa is going to be the starting quarterback. And usually when you make a really big commitment to your quarterback and you say, okay, you're the guy, you do one of two things. One, you get him a weapon or you protect him. And I really think that they have they have some weapons there. There's by no means could they hurt at getting a, a wide receiver. But with Cincinnati taking Jamar Chase off the board in this mock draft at five, I really think that they're going to go a different direction, and I think they're going to take Penai Sewell out of Oregon, the tackle. And he can really play either right or left tackle. Um, and this guy is a freak. He is only 19 years old. Okay, he's he's well, he's 20 now, but at 19 years old, he had the the single highest graded season that we've ever seen from a power five offensive tackle. He did sit out last year, so when he was playing, that he was 19 years old, the last time that he put on a football uniform uh, for the University of Oregon. So he was the highest graded tackle, had the highest graded season that we've ever seen from a from a power five offensive tackle. You just think about that, 95.8. 
from an offensive tackle. He was 19 years old. So you got to be thinking, what can that guy become? You know, if you get him with the right coaches, the right situation, um, he can really be a monster. And at tackle, that, you know, you hear franchise quarterback. Well, there are franchise offensive linemen, and Panay Sewell is a franchise offensive lineman. And I really think he is a very, very safe pick. And because Cincinnati's going to take Jamar Chase, Sewell is going to Oregon. Now, this is where things get crazy, okay? Because within these next handful of picks, I really think on draft day, there's going to be a lot, a lot of, of moving around. So, um, right now, the Detroit Lions are at number seven. And they have a number of different needs. Uh, one of which I don't believe is quarterback because they traded for Jared Goff. Now, Jared Goff was traded for a reason. But I don't think that you trade for Goff and then select a quarterback. Um, so, again, going back to my my thoughts here, when you got a quarterback that you're saying, hey, you're going to be the guy, you either protect him or you put talent around him. They have a really good running back in uh, DeAndre Swift, um, who I really, really like, but they have a big need at wide receiver. They lost a, a couple really big guys at receiver there in Detroit. So I really think at number seven, they're looking to take a receiver. Now, Jamar Chase is off the board, so this is where it gets a little tricky. Um, but I do think that with the number seven overall pick, the Detroit Lions take Jalen Waddell out of Alabama. Now, he is a freak athlete, okay? He is a freak athlete. He is really, really fast. Uh, but he's kind of small. I really think that he could be uh, a Tyreek Hill type. Um, and and you, we said that about Harry, uh, Henry Ruggs last year, where he was also coming out of Alabama, and he is just ridiculously fast. Well, Jalen Waddell is a little bit better of a route runner than uh, Ruggs was. Um, and really, you know, he, he, he had a really great you know, high-rated season, 82.6. Um, and he was playing on a really good Alabama team. So the ball, you know, is being spread around between Najee Harris, uh, between uh, Devonta Smith, uh, et cetera. So um, the, the big thing is if you took the, the four games that, that he played and you put that into a full season, he would have gone for 75 catches, 1,600 yards, and 12 touchdowns. And so when, when you look at him going this high up in the draft and, and you know, as high up as number seven being the second receiver taken, um, you know, realistically, you're looking at this guy's got a really big, really big ceiling. I think that he's going to be able to do a lot of stuff. And with Detroit's need at wide receiver, I got Waddle going to Detroit. All right. So now we have... The Carolina Panthers on the clock at number eight. Okay, so we're kind of going through this. Um, I will put this on uh, the, the Facebook page, the PeepCast official page, um, so you guys can see this. Um, but this one is really, really tough because I know that the Carolina Panthers need a quarterback. Um, you know, they've been looking to trade Bridgewater. Um, they've been more than willing to stick with him, but, you know, this is a really quarterback-heavy draft. And with only three of them off the board, 
I mean, you could really make the argument that they take a quarterback here. But there's a really good linebacker out of Penn State. Um, and when I think about the Carolina Panthers, I always just think about Luke Keekley. And I know Carolina's kind of rebuilding, and they, they're going to want to put some pieces on offense uh, together. Um, they, there's already two wide receivers off the board. Uh, they have Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Bridgewater is, is serviceable. I really think that if you have the opportunity to really put that player on defense that is just that cornerstone of your in the middle of your defense, um, I have them taking a linebacker here. Now, um, there's not a lot of mock drafts that say this. There's, there's not, especially with the player that, that I'm going to be talking about here because he sat out last year due to COVID. But he is a ridiculous linebacker, and I just can't get it out of my head. Um, and I could be 100% wrong on this pick, and I, I honestly think that they might trade back if they are thinking this because I think um, the team right after them are, is looking for a quarterback. Um, but nonetheless... Um, I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it on paper, and I have Micah Parsons of of uh, Penn State going to the Carolina Panthers as high up as eight, and I think that would be a shock. Um, but I do see it happening because of how much they covet that position in Carolina. It has been a cornerstone for them for years. Luke Keekley retired um, before the season started last season, um, and you could really tell that they missed him. And I don't think that they really want to go a, a lot of years without another guy. And they have the opportunity to do it now. Um, so I think they're going to take him. I, I do think that they're going to take them, him there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded back and were able to still get him. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but I got Micah Parsons going at number eight to the Carolina Panthers. All right, next up we got the Denver Broncos. And I got a lot of Bronco friends that are just dying to know who I'm, who I'm going to have. Uh, going to them at, at number nine overall. So uh, let's go ahead and you know let's talk about it here. So they need a quarterback. Drew Locke is not their guy. Uh, I think that they have really made that apparent. And next year's draft class is not very good. They're in a really great position at number nine. I do think that they're a prime candidate to trade up to try to get a quarterback. Uh, but in this scenario, there's no trades. And I have Trey Lance being selected at nine overall to the Denver Broncos. Now, Trey Lance, as I mentioned in our, our previous podcast, he doesn't have a lot of experience, and the experience that he does does have is not at you know the highest level of college football. But he has tremendous tools. Now, offensive coordinators are you know looking at his skill set, and he can also flick it. He has really great arm talent. He can flick that ball 60-plus yards down the field um, in one play, and then on the next play, he can outrun a safety. He is fast, and he is a powerful runner. Um, not saying that you want your franchise uh, quarterback you know, taking a lot of shots you know, like Cam Newton, um, but uh, you know, he really has the ability to do it all. He has a very high ceiling because he doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, I think that's something that's very intriguing, um, and I do think that um, with the first three picks going quarterback, I do think that he, in my quarterback ranking, I have him at number four. Um, so I have him going to the Denver Broncos. All right. So now uh, we have the Dallas Cowboys on the clock. Um, they're sitting at 10. 
Uh, obviously, they're not quarterback needy. They really locked down their quarterback, uh, Dak Prescott. They gave him a really, really lucrative deal, uh, one that he has been looking for. Um, so they are set at quarterback. Um, but they do need a lot, a lot of help on defense and primarily in the secondary. Um, and so when I look at this, to me, this, this one is a pretty easy pick. Uh, just considering, um, you know, who's available there, you know, in this mock draft, every single corner is available. Um, so I have the first one coming off the board to the Dallas Cowboys right now, and that's Patrick Sertan uh, go, uh, from Alabama going to the Dallas Cowboys. So Dallas is going to select a cornerback, um, and I believe it is going to be Patrick Sertan. I don't believe, um, you know, the top nine teams – um, are going to select a corner. So um, I really think the first one coming off the board is going to go to Dallas. Now let's take a look at Patrick Sertan really quick. Um, he is a really, he's a tall corner. So he's six foot two, um, which you're kind of starting to see uh, more of a trend of these taller, these taller cornerbacks, uh, you know, in the league now, because you've got these big receivers, these big physical wide receivers. Um, so now, you know, you're having to put these taller cornerbacks against them and, and normally tall cornerbacks have a hard time turning and, and running but that's not that's not the case anymore it used to be that 10 years ago it's not that way now so um, he is really really great so you won't find a better combination of size length and here's the best part is technique he is a technician out there on the field um, he doesn't have the high-end speed you know like I said but when we talk about high-end speed now in 2021 um, is blazing fast 10 years ago. So uh, he can he still runs in the 4-4s, four but usually you see cornerbacks you know that are in the top 10, they're, they're running 4-3s, uh, maybe even a 4-2. So um, with, with that, I really think 4-4 you know, four, four is more than, more than fast enough. Um, I mean, if you look at Richard Sherman, he's actually you know, been, been more slow afoot in the last couple years, but he can still get it done, and that's really because of his technique. And the way that Patrick Sertan is really a technician out there, um, he, he plays really well. He goes after the ball. He attacks it. Um, and and he, he, he will make some interceptions. I mean, he, he is really, really good. So I do think that he is the first corner off the board, and deservingly so. So Patrick Sertan going to the Dallas Cowboys. All right, next up we got the New York Giants. And they, they've, got a lot of, they've got a lot of needs, right? Um, they're set at quarterback. Um, you could argue that they could take a, a wide receiver here. Uh, but, you know, realistically, going back to, you know, to my thoughts, they have Saquon Barkley. They do have weapons around uh, Daniel Jones. And with, uh, with Saquon Barkley, you really want to be able to solidify a really good run game. You want to be able to protect your quarterback. So I have Rashawn Slater going to the New York Giants, uh, the tackle out of Northwestern. Now, he is really, really good, okay? Um, he's right at uh, number 11 uh, on the big board for Pro Football Focus. Um, he's six foot three, 314 pounds. Um, all of his five pressures, he's only given up five pressures uh, in 2019. Um, which is ridiculous when you think about it. He's playing at Northwestern. Uh, he's playing in, in, in a top conference, and he's only allowing five pressures. 
That's it? Really? I mean, you know offensive linemen don't like to have their name called at all, whether it's a false start or a holding call or, or whatever it is. But he's not letting people get back to that quarterback. Pressures. We're not talking sacks. We're talking pressures. Okay? So he he does have the ability to play guard. He, ha- uh, he has the ability to play tackle. Uh, because of his versatility, I think he is a really great candidate for the New York Giants at uh, pick eleven to to go there. I think I, I think he you know he had a ninety overall uh, Pro Football Focus grade in twenty nineteen. You know, and what we're kind of seeing now, you know, there's a lot of guys in this top ten. You know, one, two, three. You know, really three guys that did not play in twenty twenty still going in the top ten. So, you know, that's good news for them, but really good athlete, uh, 6'3", 314 pounds. The guy can move, um, and he is really athletic to be able to play tackle or guard. So a really versatile pick there at number 11 for the New York Giants. All right, so now we have the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock at 12, and they have a lot of needs. So they were one of the teams that we talked about being in cap hell, uh, you know, right before free agency. So. What are they looking to do? They they got to get some weapons. They got Jalen Hurts. They've they've dedicated him to be their quarterback. Um, they have you know they have a, a pretty decent you know offensive line. Um, they they could always use some help there. But you know realistically, with who you got on the board, um, you know in Philadelphia, it's going to be a real popular pick, I think. And I think you got the Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith going to the Philadelphia Eagles at pick number twelve. Make sure you're writing all these down, guys. Make sure you're writing them down. But Devonta Smith, number 12. Now, this is a great value for them because he's ranked number 7th overall on the big board, according to Pro Football Focus. Obviously, Heisman Trophy winner. The guy can make plays. He was on a loaded team at Alabama. Um, I do have concerns with his uh, his weight. He's six foot one, 175 pounds. So you there are a lot of people that are concerned about him taking you know big hits and things like that, but... You know, realistically, I've, I've thought a lot about this. Um, I've had some discussions about it. And, you know, the more that I think about it is I, I don't think that he's going to have um, a, a lot of issues as far as his size. He's always been that way. Um, he honestly reminds me of the same type of build as uh, Deshaun Jackson. He's not as fast as Deshaun Jackson. And matter of fact, he's a really smooth playmaker. He's a, I think he's a better playmaker than Deshaun Jackson. And you know, Deshaun Jackson was beloved in, in Philadelphia for a really, really long time. So um, I really think that you, if you get him the ball, um, there's even people out there that saying, oh, yeah, you know, you know, he could be the next Jerry Rice. He is very smooth. He's a really great route one runner. Uh, what's going to be interesting is when he gets a tall physical corner on him, you know, how is he going to stack up? Are they going to put him on the outside? Is he going to be a slot receiver? You know, what does that look like? But um, – Nonetheless, really solid playmaker, um, and he's going to be playing with one of his past teammates, Jalen Hurts, um, at quarterback there for the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, I think that's going to be a good spot for him to land. All right, next up we have the Los Angeles Chargers at 13. Now I think, you know, there's a potential, but, you know, let's say, you know, in this world that we're living in right now, um, on the Peepcast, in this mock draft, uh, we have four quarterbacks off the board. And there's a team that might look up to trade up potentially 
Um, you know, you could look, you could, you could see that. You could maybe see, you know, them going up to eleven, even ten, um, maybe even jumping number nine. Um, uh, and that's New England Patriots, uh, of course. And I'm thinking that is going to be maybe attempting to move up, but um, no trades. We got Los Angeles Chargers on the clock. Um, they have some needs, um, particularly on the offensive line. Uh, again, you hear me going back to this over and over again. You either get a weapon to protect your quarterback. They have Justin Herbert. They got their guy. What are they going to do? Do they need to get a receiver? They got Keenan Allen. Okay, they, they put players around him already. So this, to me, screams offensive linemen all day. Offensive line, or they do have a need at cornerback, but uh, it, it's a pretty deep cornerback class. Um, at pick 13, I really think that they they select an offensive lineman here, and I have them picking Christian Derisaw, a uh, tackle out of Virginia Tech. So let's talk about him really quick. So he's six foot five, 314 pounds. Um, he had a 95.6 pro football grade uh, last year, so he played last year. Um, it's the second highest graded season from a power five tackle at, at in a really breakout year. Um, so, you know, we mentioned that before, right? Um, so he's the second highest graded. Um, and he can really move some big human beings around. Um, he's a really good run blocker, and he's a really good pass blocker. Um, so to me, this is a, a pretty easy pick for the Los Angeles Chargers uh, to really, you know, solidify that offensive line uh, and so I got Christian Derisaw going to the Los Angeles uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Now the Minnesota Vikings are up next, and they're at pick 14. They also have some similar needs. Okay, um, they need a tackle, they need a guard, um, they have a, a, an edge need and a corner or a safety. I mean, and I think it's a little high to select a safety. Um, I think you could make a really good argument to come up here and get, uh, you know, a top edge rusher. The only thing is, there's not that one guy that I think, you know, that's on the edge in, in this draft class. There's not that just that one guy. You know, in the past drafts where you had Nick Bosa, um, Chase Young, those were some really, really top end edge rushers. So I think you have a lot of guys that are kind of jumbled all in together. So to pick pick a guy at 14 and say, all right, he's going to be our edge. I think, you know, they could really get a guy in the second round potentially. Um, so I have them also going offensive line. And the Minnesota Vikings are going to select, and I'm going to butcher the heck out of this name, and I apologize, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker from uh, USC, the tackle. So, again, you know, they got Kirk Cousins there. I, you know – there's, there's a whole lot of speculation. You haven't really heard a ton about Kirk Cousins. You know, he, he is their guy right now. Um, they don't have a need. I think they're giving him at least one more year uh, to do it. He's lost some weapons, and so you can look at the production last year. They were in a lot of games last year. They were in a lot of games. They just lost them in horrible ways. Okay, so uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they're, they're a, a really good defensive football team. But they got to really sure up that that line if, if Kirk Cousins is going to succeed. So um, Elijah Vera Tucker going to the Minnesota Vikings at pick 14. And by God, we're up to number 15 already. I know this is going fast. You, and hopefully I'm keeping this entertaining to you guys. Uh, but 
I think we have our fifth quarterback coming off the board at number 15. Um, this is where I really think that um, I would be shocked if the Patriots are sitting at 15, um, if they don't move up and get somebody. But, you know, Bill Belichick has been very, very active this offseason. Um, but I think that he can, you know, realistically, I think he could stand pat um, for the guy that they want to select. And, and to me, that this is Mac Jones written all over it. Um, they, they've been very adamant about trying to go after Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and if you've heard, I'm going to try not to go on this tangent again, but there's no way that he's going at number three. There's not, he's Mac Jones is not going at three overall. Uh, the 49ers really could have stayed at 12 and if they wanted him, they could have selected him there. Um, I think the Patriots might with, with four quarterbacks going in the top nine, um, I think that they might be looking to trade up and just let's just get the guy. Um, but you know, realistically, when you look at the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, Chargers, um, and the Minnesota Vikings, uh, only the Eagles really kind of I they could you know get a quarterback. Um, I don't think they will. They really want to see um, how Jalen Hurts does there uh, in a in a full season. So Mac Jones. I got 15 overall. He's the quarterback from Alabama going to the New England Patriots. So uh, that ends that ends that. You know, Mac Jones. I'm really tired of talking about that guy, to be honest. And no fault of him. You know, I think he's a really, really good player. Uh, there's there's really not, you know, one play. The thing that drives me nuts about this guy. Okay, all right, here it comes. There's not one play or throw from Jones that you sit there and you go, oh my goodness. There it is. There's the first, you know, first round talent. There's that guy. I just don't see it. He's on a loaded team. He he's ranked last out of the the five quarterbacks after his first read, which, you know, contrary to popular belief, people want to say, uh, you know, Justin Fields is, you know, slow to get to it. You know, realistically, Mac Jones is thrown to some wide open guys, and he's got weapons all over the field. That's great. That sucks that's, that it's a knock for him, but it is. He doesn't have the big arm. He's not super mobile. Um, but, you know, he really can command an offense. He really, you know, he can throw the ball. He, he can, you know, make these completions. Uh, I mean, there, I don't want to make light of what he did last season. But when you look at all these quarterbacks and you talk about their ceiling and what their potential is, you know, Mac Jones, to me, is – you could argue he's already hit his ceiling at Alabama and the type of season that he had. I think New England is perfect for him. He doesn't need to be the guy. He doesn't need to be that guy. Bill Belichick plays great team football. Defensively, offensively, they'll run the ball. They'll dump it to the back. They'll, they don't have a, a ton of big-name wide receivers on the outside. I mean, the entire time the New England Patriots were winning the Super Bowls, what their their biggest player that they had it was Randy Moss in the twilight of his career, and he had a tremendous season. But what you got Dion Branch, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, you know those type of guys, and you know they they have those type of guys still. Keneal Harry, he doesn't need to be the guy, and I think that's okay. That is okay for Mac Jones, and I think it is totally fine. For him to go to New England, he I, I think that is going to be a great place for him. In fact, I hope he goes there for his sake because I think he will really, really succeed. Now, 
if he's really, really successful there and we see New England jump back on the map, I mean, my goodness. But, yeah, we got Mac Jones going 15 overall uh, to the New England Patriots. All right, now that we got all that quarterback stuff out of the way, um, we got the Arizona Cardinals at 16. And, you know, the Cardinals have, you know, a, a couple different needs. Uh, I think tight end would be a, a big need. I think they're really set at receiver. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kurt, uh, they picked up A.J. Green. Uh, they they got James Conner uh, as their running back because they lost Kenyon Drake. But they've lost, I won't say a lot on defense, but they've lost enough. You know, Patrick Peterson, um, you know, hasn't re-signed there. You know, he's, he's not going to be back to Arizona. Their interior interior defensive line, not not their edge. You know, they got they got Chandler Jones there, and, and he's really, really good. They got Buda Baker as a safety. So to me, this is a prime spot for a corner to come off the board. So we already had Patrick Sertan go off the board. To me, um, I really had, you know, Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn really like 1A and 1B, and you can argue which one is which all day long. Um, I have J.C. Horn going to the Arizona Cardinals at pick 16. I just think it fits. I really think that that's what they need. I think they're in a perfect spot to just stay at 16 and get the guy that they want, and it's perfect for Arizona. So uh, J.C. Horn, let's take a look at him. So um, he's really athletic. He's another tall corner. He's 6'1", 205 pounds. But this guy is a dog, okay? When I say a dog, I mean, this is a guy that really grinds through blocks and wants to come up and make a tackle. There's not a lot of corners that want to come up and make a tackle. He wants to. He wants to come in on, on run support and, and make a hit, okay? He, so the, the way that he grinds, he just has that mindset um, and athleticism. You, I mean, he's got the athleticism, he's got the mindset, and he can play man-to-man. He can play zone. He can play whatever. So he can get it done. I think he's going to be a great fit there. And, you know, me being a Niner fan, that's the one last side of the field that you can really, you know, depend on throwing to. But um, he's just not going to back down from anybody. He's only allowed eight catches off of 24 targets for 116 yards across all seven games that he played last year. That is ridiculous when you think about all the, you know, as big as pass heavy as college football is these days. Is the 18th overall uh, prospect, according to Pro Football Focus, on their, their big board. Perfect fit. J.C. Horn going to the Arizona Cardinals. All right, Raiders fans, here we go. Now, I'll be the first to say it. I don't know what the hell they are doing in Las Vegas. I mean, it seems to me that they have gotten rid of, like, the, almost their entire offensive line. And I mean, it, they've got... So many holes, it seems like, you know, their, their, their needs, tackle, guard, cornerback, safety, uh, edge rusher. So to me, I really think that you need to look at, um, you know, a guy that can really come in and, and do a lot of different things. They can be a man of, of many hats. And John Gruden always calls a player like that a joker, the joker type player. So what does that mean? A joker is a guy that can that can play uh, coverage. He can come up and blitz. He can come off the edge in a four-man pressure. 
Uh, he can cover tight ends man-to-man, cover slot receivers man-to-man if necessary. It's a guy that is really almost positionless, and that's a joker. And that's uh, I love John Gruden. He's one of my favorite coaches. I would love to just sit there with, with him and talk football. I think I would lose my mind. I would not want I, – I, I would get so much sleep the night before just so I could extend that day, you know, 24 hours to really talk to John Gruden. So, John Gruden, if you're listening, that is a wish of mine. Just kidding, but seriously. All right. Uh, enough jokes aside, um, I do have uh, that type of joker player going at number 17 to the Las Vegas Raiders. And I'm going to butcher this name again, but it is from a team that I really loved watching, um, and that's Jeremiah Owusu-Komora. Okay, Jeremiah Owusu-Komora. So he was the Butkus Award winner for the nation's best linebacker, and he is elite short area quicks for a linebacker. And what's really crazy, okay, I'm looking at this right now, and just kind of putting these two things together, J-O-K, Jeremiah Owasu Kimura. And that just fits for a Joker type of role. He's elite short area quickness, which allows him to be able to really rush the passer off the edge in blitz, okay? He's 6'2", 215 pounds. But you're starting to see some of these linebackers. You know, uh, Fred Warner is a great example of this uh, in San Francisco. He played safety um, at one point at, at BYU, comes up and ends up uh, transitioning to linebacker. He's a smaller linebacker. He is great covering the pass, but he can also blitz, and he can stuff the run. And and this guy, uh, Owasu Kimura, is, is, is like that. Um, he's the same weight as Darius Leonard, uh, who, who played multiple seasons for the Colts. But this guy can really get it done. He he is a playmaker. He he can make it happen, and that's exactly what the Raiders need. They need a playmaker on defense to come in there. So Jeremiah Owasu Kimura, a Joker type player. Uh, Matt, I know you're happy with that one, buddy. So at pick 17. All right. So we got the Dolphins again. <laughs> you're thinking, oh boy, we got the Dolphins coming up again. This is where I really think. Uh, they they can start stacking these picks. So um, they got a lot uh, of picks back in the in the trade that they made with the 49ers because they were originally sitting at number three, but they got their quarterback. You know, San Francisco traded up to get theirs. So you know, what do the Dolphins need? You know, um, earlier you know I mentioned that they solidified the tackle position uh, with Sewell. Okay, so now you know you can look at a guard, but I honestly believe. First of all, their fan base would probably go nuts if they picked two offensive linemen in the first round. But, you know, Dallas did that year after year after year and ended up getting, you know, really the best offensive line in all of football. Uh, But they're not going to do that. They're going to need some help on defense, and this is where I think an edge rusher comes off the board. And I got Quiddy Pay from the University of Michigan going to the Miami Dolphins. I think it's going to be a really, really great fit for him there. Um, they really play an, an aggressive style of, of defense, and he's really everything that you could want physic- uh, physically to be an every-down problem in the NFL. You don't just look for players in the NFL, especially in the first-round draft. You draft problems on defense. You draft problems. You have all these, when you, when you look at uh, the Super Bowl, uh, take that uh, into account. 
when you got all these weapons across the board for Kansas City, you got Tyreek Hill, you got Travis Kelsey, you got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, Sammy Watkins, and Patrick Mahomes back there. What's the one thing that stops players like that? And it's a pass rush. Now, Quiddy Pay, I'm not saying he's going to be the best pass rusher in all the land, but I am saying he can play every down. He can play really well against a run, and he can pass rush. Um, and he's never really put it all together at the University of Michigan, but you don't draft guys that have always put it all together in college. You draft a guy, and you project it out and say, I see something special with this trait that he has. And I think for him, um, he's going to be able to take that coaching and he's going to be able to put it to work because every single year he improved at University of Michigan. Starting out in 2018, he had a 71 overall grade. The next year, 80.9. This next year, 86.3. He gets better year after year after year. I think it's going to be a great place for him uh, down there in Miami. Um, I think it's a great spot for him to go in. All right, we got the Washington football team next at number 19. Now, I mean, they need a quarterback. I really think so. Um, I think that they need a receiver. They need a lot of stuff. I think their defense is set. Um, I think they really liked uh, Heineke, uh, the toughness that he showed. I think they want to give him an opportunity uh, there in uh, Washington. Um, and, of course, I, I, I really don't think that you're going to take uh, a six quarterback. Six quarterbacks are not going to go in the first round. Um, but I do see a wide receiver. I think that, that they have an opportunity to really get a wide receiver at this spot. Um, and so I have the Washington football team selecting Rashad Bateman out of the University of Minnesota. Let's take a look at Rashad here. So, uh, he's six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds. Uh, like I said, out of the University of Minnesota. Now he can really get off the line of scrimmage uh, really well. That, that's probably one of his best strengths. Uh, and then he he can beat you with either you know like like his his juke move off the line, which you call like a shake, um, or his size. He's physical enough um, to beat some of these bigger corners. So um, he is also one of the best route runners in all of college football. He led the country in yards. Her route run from an outside alignment as a sophomore in 2019, uh, which he actually had his highest grade of 87.1. Uh, small little fall off, and that's also probably due to the success of um, Minnesota as well. But you know, he's a junior. He's had two back-to-back -back years of, of 80 plus uh, in pro, according to Pro Football Focus. I, I think he finds a really nice landing spot there at, at the Washington Football Team. All right, pick 20. Uh, Chicago Bears, I really think they stay really close to home with this pick. So they have all sorts of needs. Um, you can argue quarterback, you know, wide receiver, uh, you know, Allen Robinson, you know, he's staying there in, in Chicago, tackle, guard, or corner. Uh, to me, I really, really think that they, they get a guy who played college in the area, uh, and that really is going to be Greg Newsom uh, from Northwestern. Greg Newsom is a really, really good corner. He, he's 6'1", 190 pounds. Um, he, you know, he, he came off a year of 79.8, you know, pro football focus grade, but he really looked like a different player, you know, from when he played as a sophomore to when he played as a junior. So he, he's just getting better. 
Um, he only allowed 12 catches from 34 targets and 93 yards all season. Okay, so again, this is going to be a guy that you're really thinking, you know, he his ceiling is is rather high. He's getting better every single year. Chicago has a need at that spot. Uh, I think they go defense here. Um, you know, not really having a quarterback available. I mean, you can you you can go, uh, you know, get another one, but I, I think they could really wait until the second round. Uh, to get a quarterback if they want. Uh, and, you know, with those corners starting to kind of fly off the, the board now, I really think that, uh, you know, Newsom is, is going to be a good spot for them. All right. So now we got the Indianapolis Colts at pick number 21. Uh, their needs, wide receiver, tackle, uh, edge. Now they're a team that they, they had a lot of cap space. Uh, they're in a really, really great spot. They... They got their guy, you know, Carson Wentz. They really think that, uh, you know, getting a chance to be with Doug Peterson again, or I'm sorry, Frank Reich, um, who was his offensive coordinator under Doug Peterson um, at the Indianapolis uh, with, with the Philadelphia Eagles when Carson Wentz had his success. Now he's at Indianapolis. Let me try not to stumble over my words. Um, and now they're reunited again. And so I think there's a lot of buzz. Uh, and hopefulness surrounding Carson Wentz being reunited with Frank Reich. Um, so this is one where I think they actually go a little bit of a different direction. Uh, they, they held on to Tyreek Hill. Um, they have a lot of young wide receivers, so I don't think that they really have a really big need to go out and get one now. I, I think they could probably get one in the second round if, if, if they wanted. So um, I really think that they want to solidify um, you know, edge. Uh, right here. So um, this is where I have Aziz Ojulari out of the University of Georgia. Um, he's an edge player, and he's a really unique edge player out of the University of Georgia. He can really, get, really get after the ball. And you know, again, you know, being being on the edge there, um, we're starting to see these teams have a little bit more of a premium in those types of of players. So now he. He's kind of different when you see, like, you know, edge players. So he, he can play linebacker or edge. And I think at for uh, the Indianapolis Colts, he's going to really play um, strictly edge. He's really the best pure speed rusher in the class. So I, I think he, he is really athletic. And I think he's even going to make some of these athletic tackles struggle uh, a, a little bit. So... Um, he's actually coming off a 90 uh, pro football focus grade, which that is elite. Okay, That is really elite. Um, he was one of the bigger, biggest risers in his play in 2020. And so with players like that, you that's that's always a little bit of a concern. But, um, you know, as a he's a redshirt sophomore. So, you know, he's still relatively young. So he's got a lot of a, a very high ceiling. He has a lot of a ways to kind of project into being, you know, that NFL premier edge rusher, but uh, at, you know, pick number 21, I can really, really see, you know, him going there. So I, th I think that will be a really great spot for them. And again, it, Indianapolis is slowly becoming one of those teams that you look at, um, you know, they're a solid football team. Their offensive line, you know, their defensive line, when they got DeForest Buckner from the 49ers last year, um, the back end of their defense is, is getting stronger. You add a pass rush to that, and I really think that you have a special defense um, 
you know, an edge rusher can really change a lot of things. So, um, all right. So now we have the Tennessee Titans, and they they've done a lot in the off season. Uh, they they they've gained some and they lost some, uh, but they did get Bud Dupree from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think he's going to be a really great player for them. Um, but they they've lost some. Uh, they lost Corey Davis as their their receiver. So they still have AJ Brown. They need, you know, a secondary player to go with him. Now you're not going to select a tight end. You know they did lose their their all pro tight end, uh, but this isn't the spot for them. You know, other than Kyle Pitts, you can wait on the tight end. Kyle Pitts is a guy that is just special. He doesn't come around so often. So this is a, a pick. I really think they go wide receiver here, and this is a spot where uh, they go back to the farm of Ole Miss. And they pick up a, a different type of receiver, uh, Elijah Moore. So Elijah Moore is on the on the smaller end. He kind of is built like like almost like a Debo Samuel in a way. Like he's he's short and, and really stocky. Uh, but the way he plays, he really reminds me of Steve Smith. Like he is fierce out there, and so he can play really well in the slot. Um, he could play on the outside. Um, so he, he really became more of a focal point of Lane Kiffin's offense at Ole Miss. Um, he did have almost 1,200 yards of offense in only eight games, okay, eight games, 1,200 yards. Um, he's an elite all-around athlete, and he can run any route on the tree, so he's not limited to anything. That's one of these things about these, these shorter receivers that I hold near and dear to my heart. You know, he can really, he's a tough kid. He can run a lot of different routes. Um, he's a really good blocker, um, and now that you're starting to see a lot of these different plays where some of these wide receivers are getting you know, those uh, almost end-around type runs or these little flick passes uh, where the quarterback you know, is in the shotgun formation, downs it go, he gets the ball and then just flicks it forward to, the, the, quarter, uh, to the, the wide receiver going around the edge, and he takes off with it, you know, i.e. Uh, Debo Samuel does that really well. Brandon Ayuk does that really, really well. Um, you're starting to see some more of these these players come around and and that type of offense that they have in Tennessee where they have such a bruiser at running back uh, when you have a guy that can do those type of things and be really good in the slot uh, I think that's going to be a really really great fit and it's going to be uh, a, a great fit for Ryan Tannenhill uh, especially you know that now that he's lost his tight end he, having a really good guy in the slot like Elijah Moore I, I think that's really going to help him so you, I think you can really see him being um, one of those players that you don't hear about a ton as far as like star level. But when you're playing fantasy league and you see this dude racking up all the points because he's got like 10 catches for 98 yards and a touchdown, you're going, dang, that was, he's a really productive player. So um, I know NFL GMs don't think about fantasy, but I'm just saying that I think he's going to be a really big part of their offense at 22, and I think that is a really sneaky good pick. All right, we got the New York Jets back on the clock. They were at two. Now they're at 23. What oh, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? And I think they are going to have one of the best first rounds um, in their history. Um, you know, obviously I have them p- taking Zach Wilson. They're going to get their uh, franchise quarterback. And now I think they're going to get a steal because normally if this player didn't get hurt or have back surgery, he would have gone up. He might have been the first corner off the board. But this is a prime spot where I have Caleb Farley 
going to the New York Jets, uh, cornerback out of Virginia Tech. So he's got the size and he's got the speed. He's 6'2", 207 pounds, um, and he is dang good uh, when it comes to coverage. Um, now he only played, the last time he played was 2019, so he's one of those guys that sat out last year and coming off an injury. But when he played, he allowed a passer rating of only 26.8, in the 2019 campaign with an 86 uh, pro football focus grade. That is good. And when you talk about trying to rebuild a team and Robert Solid, that's uh, the defensive court or that was the defensive coordinator of the 49ers that is now the head coach there uh, with the jets. I really think that he's going to want to get a really good coverage guy. That's going to be on the outside for years to come. Caleb Farley, I have going to uh, the New York jets. All right, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers up here at number 24. And I really kind of went around and around and around. What what do they need? Um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, how many more years does he have left? I really think that it was close of him hanging it up this last year. Um, I thought they would be a really good candidate to trade up, but they're just so far back. And so many other teams in such a really good position to to move up. I didn't really, I don't really see them being in the position to get a get a quarterback this year. So it's going to be curious because, you know, next year that that quarterback draft class is not very good. And if Ben retires, and they have a really good season, what that's going to look like. But um, they're moving on to the 2020, 2021 season with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm, and uh, they could help you know protect him. They they also need tackle. They they need guard. But they lost a really big part of their offense. Um, I really, you could argue ever since they lost Le'Veon Bell in that offense, it just hasn't quite been the same. Um, and now James Conner is gone to the Arizona Cardinals. So I think at pick 24, the more that I think about it, the more it makes sense to me uh, that the first running back comes off the board here at number 24, and I have Najee Harris of the uh, Alabama going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Najee Harris... Obviously, um, we've seen what he can do. He is really good. The only thing that he really lacks um, is that that top end speed. So he's not gonna he's not gonna blow the doors off with with his speed at all. Um, but he's a really really productive runner. He's very athletic. Um, he's really good out of the backfield catching the ball, and he just reminds me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell in a way. Like Le'Veon Bell when he was at Michigan State. Was just, I mean, he would get like 40 carries in a game, and it was all riding on him. Uh, but then he goes to Pittsburgh, and it's not quite that way. You know, he catches a lot out of the backfield. He, he did get about 20, 25 carries a game, but he had that, you know, such a different style where he would almost kind of stutter step through the hole. I just, I just see Najee Harris as being a really, really good Pittsburgh Steeler. He's such a, uh, he's a really great kid. So let me tell you this story about him really quick. And for my Steeler fans out there, um, you're going to enjoy this. So when Alabama was having its pro day, you know, he, he had, he was coming off an ankle injury and so he was unable to participate and, uh, he, he was quite a ways from the pro day and his flight, I, I believe he was coming from Dallas got canceled. Now, a lot of guys, and I'll say 99% of guys, their flight gets canceled. Um, they're not participating in the pro day. They might not just not show up, and for every reason that that's totally fine. Your flight got canceled. You're not participating. Why should you be there? 
but he drove, I want to say it was like eight hours, to be there and support his teammates in their pro day. Like, that to me, like, just speaks even more than than football sometimes. So I'm a really big fan of of Najee Harris, and I think um, he is going to be a really good pro uh, running back, and I think a great place for him to fit in there is, is with the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, so let's move on. We got the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock at pick 25. And, uh, you know, what, what are they going to do now? They, they got their franchise quarterback in, in Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, they have some needs still, um, obviously. That's why they're the, the number one overall pick. Uh, they have a lot of holes on, on offense uh, and on defense. So um, what do they do? What do they do? Let's take a look at their needs. So the uh, quarterback, you can scratch that off. So they got their guy. Uh, tight end, okay, probably not going to pick uh, one at 25. Uh, you could go tackle. You could go safety. Um, you could also go interior uh, defensive line. Uh, they, they've lost some guys there over the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, what are they going to do? Well, I'm going to tell you what they're going to do. I think they're going to stick with their interior defensive line, and they're going to go with uh, Christian Barrymore out of Alabama. Now, I think it's a nice, safe pick. Um, I think that they could – they could easily take the first safety off the board there. Um, they could go a million different ways, and so it's really hard to, to pinpoint um, him, you know, right there. But, you know, he is a really, really good player, very solid for the University of Alabama, um, you know, really good run stuffer, um, can get after their, uh, the quarterback at times. So um, I think it's a really, really great spot for Jacksonville uh, to pick uh, Christian Barrymore there's the interior uh, defensive lineman. So um, let's move on to pick number 26, and we have the Cleveland Browns uh, on the clock, and I have them needing, they need interior uh, defensive line uh, edge, but they just picked up Jadavion Clowney. And so um, I was looking at a bunch of different mock drafts, and you know they were saying, hey, you know he, they can still go edge. I just think if you make that type of, uh, commitment that they did with uh, Jadavion Clowney, I, I don't think that you take a guy in the in the first round with with, with their their first round pick. Um, I do see them uh, going after a linebacker, uh, so I really have them uh, picking uh, the guy out of uh, University of Kentucky, uh, Jamin Davis or Jamon Davis, however you want to say it. it's J A M I N Davis. Now. He's kind of all over the place when it comes to some of these um, mock drafts. So he, you know, he's he really came off a really breakout year um, with them, with the University of Kentucky. So I really see him as as being kind of like that that spot on the the interior part of the defense. They're really good on on the defensive line. Um, they're Good in the secondary. They've been picking up guys. I still think they're going to sign some uh, veteran corners, uh, potentially even a safety, after the draft. Um, I still think that they'll they'll probably draft a safety. I just don't think it's at this spot, and I think that they end up getting uh, you know Davis out of the University of Kentucky, and I think he can be a really good player for a, a long period of time. He's just a freak athlete. He had a really great pro day at the University of Kentucky, so I – I really went all over. When you get this part into a mock draft, you know, you can kind of see players kind of going all over the place. And especially as you're, you're picking these, 
it, it, it makes it really, really tough because you're like, man, like I can see a bunch of different things. But linebacker with the type of pro day and the athletes that they really covet um, there in Cleveland, I, I think that's going to be a, a, a good spot for him. All right, so we got the Baltimore Ravens up. So we're, we're at pick 27, so we're, we're getting through this now. Um, so the Baltimore Ravens, uh, they can use a wide receiver, but they're, they've really been active in the, the free agent market trying to get a, uh, trying to get a wide receiver. So, you know, what in the world are they going to do? Um, they could use an edge rusher. They're really good on the defensive line. So like their defense is in such a good spot, um, that it's almost like, okay, you're going to go defense here. I actually am. Um, I think they're really set almost, uh, all across the board. Um, but I think safety is a spot that they really could use some help on. So I got Trayvon Mooring, the safety out of TCU, the first safety off the board, um, going to Baltimore. So he, he really flies around and makes a lot of plays. Now, when it comes to Trayvon, like there's not a lot of holes that you can poke in, in his game. Um, he really has a skill set that's going to fit in any scheme in the NFL. Um, he has the ideal length to play through the catch point. Um, he led the nation in pass breakups each of the last two seasons. He's a really hard hitter. Like he, he he's a he can come up and play well against a run. Like like what I'm saying, you know, in 2019 he had an elite grade of of 91.6. Um, had a little bit of a down year uh, last year, but that I mean, you know, realistically, he's just a good player. He he's He's a good player. He had a breakout year in 2019 that put him on the board um, and then uh, was consistent, uh, didn't have that elite grade, um, but he played a role that, you know, in TCU, that they play a lot of quarters defense at TCU, and they really kind of manned him up in the slot. So he was almost a nickel corner in, in some of these situations. He's really explosive. Um, he could hold, hold up as a linebacker. You're starting to see more of these hybrid type players. Um, and so, you know, he does have the S next to his name. Um, but, you know, he could really, if he wasn't only 202 pounds, um, I think he would be one of an outstanding linebacker. So uh, Trayvon Mooring, uh, again, another hard-nosed, defensive, hard-hitting player for the Baltimore Ravens. That tradition continues uh, yet again in this draft. All right, now we're at pick number 28. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, now, they were in absolute cap hell at the beginning of free agency. Uh, I believe it was at, you know $79 million in cap, uh, over the cap. Uh, so they had to re release a lot of guys. Um, so they have a lot of different needs. But one of the ones that I really look at, um, they really need a complement player next to Michael Thomas. And... There's a whole lot of different guys that you could really, you know, go to. Um, but I really think when, when, when it comes down to it, um, I really th I have them selecting uh, uh, Terrace, Mar uh, Terrace Marshall out of University of uh, Louisiana State University, LSU. Um, so really right in their own backyard. Uh, they, need, they need somebody there as far as right next to Michael Thomas. And, and he's a guy that is, you know, he's a really tall receiver, um, and he's, he's playing next to Jamar Chase, which is the best um, receiver in, in this entire draft. Um, so he's six foot three, 200 pounds. He 
is set, uh, he had a 78 overall grade, but let's take a look at his um, his stats here. So he probably had his best game against Missouri, uh, which was week six. He had a 93 overall grade. Um, but, you know, he, he's a really good compliment guy. That That is just what he's done in his college career. So as I'm looking through this, um, he's going to be that compliment guy again, you know, next to Michael Thomas. He doesn't have to be the number one receiver. He is a good first-round talent, but he, you know, he can play in the slot. He can play on the outside. Um, he, he can really play all over the place. He had 731 yards and 10 touchdowns um, in only seven games, so he, he knows what the end zone's like, uh, and it's really right in, in, in his backyard there, um, you know, being playing uh, playing at LSU. So I don't think I, I think that's a nice safe pick uh, to give their their quarterback, you know, whoever it's going to be, whether it's Taysom Hill or uh, Jameis Winston Winston there. I think uh, putting uh, Terrace Ma- Marshall. I don't know why I struggle with that name. I want to say Terrence so bad, but it's Terrace uh, Marshall. Um, I think that he's he's going to be a good pick for them, and, and we'll see what he does. Those LSU wide receivers, we all know how they work out. And they're they're pretty damn good. So, um, yeah. So we got we got Terrace going to the New Orleans Saints. Now we got Green Bay coming up next. And I went all I was looking at this, and they got some needs at de- on defense. They they really do. I mean, when you look at that game in the NFC Championship game, you'd say they need a corner, they need a linebacker. But I just feel like they just pissed off Aaron Rodgers so much. They've said so many different things. They 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 came up and drafted uh, Jordan Love last year um, as a quarterback when they were in a great position to get a receiver. And they mentioned, you know, oh why why aren't they getting uh, any of these free agents? Well, number one, they usually don't get a lot of free agents uh, during free agency anyway. They're really they build through the draft. That's the type of team that they are. But I just don't see them going defense again in the first round. They got Aaron Rodgers, and honestly, I really think this might be his last season coming up in Green Bay. So I almost think this is a make Aaron happy pick. I I just see it that way, and I have uh, Kadarius Toney from uh, Florida going to the Green Bay Packers. Now let's take a look at, at him. So obviously he's playing alongside uh, uh, Pitt, and... We know, you know, how good that uh, Kyle Pitt is. I mean, he's, I, I said that he's like, you know, that that player that you could just say, okay, he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. Well, he's playing alongside him. Now, he's six foot, 193 pounds, but he's very consistent. Over the three seasons uh, that he played with the Florida Gators, uh, the Florida Gators, um, in 2018, he posted an 83.5 uh, pro football focus grade, 2019 an 80. 2020 and 84, um, he really has rare ability with the ball in his hands. And some people might say it's generational. I'm not going to say that yet because there's no way that you have Kyle Pitts and uh, Kadarius Toney uh, being a generational talent. I mean, you'd really have to. I mean, you you'd really have to be lucky as a recruiter to have two of those guys on the same team at the same time. So I'm not going to say generational, um, but he does have rare ability with the ball in his hands. I, uh, he's got flexibility to sink in his cuts, um, which means he's a really good route runner, um, ultimately is what that means. He, he can run any route, and he can create his own t- 
type of routes, which means he's very creative. So um, what does that mean? So like if he's running, you know, let's say like a, a corner route, he's 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 very intelligent to know how to to stem his routes and to use um, how he's running his route to create separation, um, which is really what you need as a receiver. And at the next level in the NFL, it's even more so. You got you got the best athletes in the world covering you. Um, and so he has that ability to be able to be very creative uh, to get open. So um, he has elite acceleration. So that means, you know, he's going to have a really good burst. But as a receiver, you don't always want to go 100 miles an hour off the line. You sometimes want to pace yourself and then burst out of your cut. And then it leaves the DB, you know, behind. You really, it's almost like a changeup in baseball. And you see fastball, fastball, fastball. And all of a sudden you see the changeup and you're way ahead of it. That's kind of how receivers kind of use their pace. So um, he only has three career drops, so he's very, very consistent. So overall, I think with Green Bay and being paired up with Aaron Rodgers, I think it's a, a phenomenal spot for him to go. And I just, I cannot wrap my head around, you know, another defensive pick. It's got to be somebody that's going to help Aaron Rodgers. I just think it, it just has to be, okay? It just has to be. Just trust me. You're listening to me. I, I feel like you you guys, you know, take take a lot of credibility with what I'm saying. I just look at Green Bay and I can't get past them drafting a ba- a quarterback last year and not a receiver and and the you know, that really kind of deteriorated that relationship and if they want Aaron to to retire a Packer, I I think one of the first things that they can do at pick 29 is to give him some extra help. They got DeVonte Adams, they re-signed Aaron Jones um I think getting another big-time receiver out there will do a lot to really help Aaron Rodgers out. So next up, we got the Buffalo Bills. And my dad, I know that you're sitting there listening right now, wanting to know what the Bills are going to do. I really think that they are set on offense. Um, they they picked up another running back, Matt Breida, which I love Matt Breida. Um, he played for the 49ers. He was an un, uh, undrafted free agent that they picked up that turned – turned out to be really good. They traded him uh, last year to the Dolphins, and, and he ended up being a free agent. So um, he's going to Buffalo uh, to match up with Singletary. Uh, and also, they have a great receiving core. So they have, as we know, Stephon Diggs, and now Emmanuel Sanders going to them. So offensively, I think they're good, but I just can't get that game you know, out of my head from the AFC championship game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Kansas City could really do whatever they wanted. It seemed like, you know, Buffalo played them tough, but, you know, when Kansas City needed a first down, they got a first down. Now, I think you could make an argument for edge rusher here, but uh, I think at this particular point, to be able to get uh, to get a cornerback, I think is going to be really great for them. So, I have them picking Asante Samuel Jr., um, the cornerback out of Florida State. Um, you know, there's there's people that project him in the second round, but I, I, I've seen a, a bunch of mocks where he makes it up into this bottom half. And I really think that, that Buffalo is going to try to match up with teams like Kansas City to, write, to try to cover those guys and uh, be able to defend the weapons that they have. So Asante Samuel Jr., uh, going to the Buffalo Bills. Let's take a look at him. So he's 5'10", 184 pounds, very consistent, but gets better every year too. So uh, 73 grade in 2018, 76 grade in 2019, all the way bumps up to an 81 grade. He had three interceptions last year in just eight games. Um, 
he only allowed 19 catches off of 32 targets and 179 yards, only gave up one touchdown. So he's very consistent. When you look over the, the course of the games that, that he played, um, you know, Georgia Tech, 74 grade. Uh, University of Miami, 72 grade. Uh, North Carolina, 72 grade. Pitt, his best game of the year, 80 grade. So um, I think that's going to be a really great pick for him. Again, I think he's going to be a player that can really develop into a really solid corner. Um, he's not one of the top corners off the board, but he is very, very solid. So uh, now we got two more picks left. And with the Kansas, the Kansas City Chiefs, to me, that, again, going th- those big games at the end of the year, they really linger for a long time. And, and that's, you really see teams that are in that position you know, where they struggled in those games. I think you're going to see them use those picks to try to help fill that gap, um, to try to get better at those positions. And where Kansas City has lost both of their starting tackles um, in free agency um, or retirement or whatever it is, um, they lost both their starting tackles. They didn't have them in the Super Bowl, and what happened? Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. They were in on the Trent Williams sweepstakes. They lost out on him. Um, So I, I think... I really don't see anything but tackle here. So I have uh, Trevon Jenkins, uh, Trevon Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, the tackle. Um, you got to protect Patrick Mahomes, and I think they have so many studs on offense and so many guys um, being able to, you know, get that ball down the field. They really need to be able to hold up and and really protect Patrick Mahomes. So. Uh, you know, getting a tackle there, I think, makes perfect sense. And and to me, I think it's it's the, the perfect pick. I think you don't need another playmaker. They have so many. So tackle Trayvon Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. All right, now we're up to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And again, like, I really, you know, look at how they won the Super Bowl. They won it on defense. Uh, they they have all sorts of guys on offense. They're returning just about everybody. Uh, I still think they want it off of getting pressure on the quarterback. So I think they go edge here, and they get uh, Jalen Phillips out of Miami. Now, he is one of those players where he kind of goes all over the place um, in, in some of these mock drafts. He's got a very high ceiling. He has flashes, but sometimes not all the – uh, the production. So uh, let's take a look here. Um, so he's 6'5", 266. Uh, so he, he fits their mold of a, a 4-3 defensive end. Um, he didn't play in 2019, but he played in 2020, 10 games. Uh, he had an 86.6 grade. He's he's really a bull rusher. He's not speed. When you look at 266, he's not going to be a big speed guy. Uh, but he's going to be able to move large human beings out of the way and be able to bull rush them to create pressure. And he can do it with one arm. Uh, I've watched a couple film, a couple highlights on him, and he can really get that long arm and try to turn the corner and the things that he's able to do. So he is really powerful. Uh, he really blows through contact. Linemen have to get clean, get hit him cleanly to slow him down. So that means to me he's also a really good run, run defender. Um, he really dominated guards when lining up over guards. Um, he's too long and, and quick, rushing from the interior, and usually guards are a little bit smaller than 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 tackles. Um, they're a little bit more agile, but um, 
you know, he really uh, powered through them. Um, he really has some some different type of, you know, pass rushing moves. You know, he's got like a nice power rush, but he also kind of has like, I, I almost want to call it like a Euro step, like as he's kind of like stepping around the, uh, the tackle or the guard to create pressure. Um, and as the season went on, he just got better and better. So uh, Jalen Phillips or Jalen, Jalen, yeah, J-A-E-L-A-N Phillips, um, again, I'm sorry if I'm butchering a couple of these. It's not as easy as it looks, you know, when you're trying to trying to read off some of these names. But all right, guys, that's my that's my first round mock. And thank you guys for listening. I know that this is one of the longer uh, podcasts that I've had out there. There's a lot to really kind of uncover, but um, I want to thank you for sticking with it. I want to thank you guys. Um, get your mocks to me. I really want to see what you guys think. You know, this isn't just listening back to me and, oh, people are thinking this, people are thinking that. I want to see what you think. And I want to see if you can beat me. I put a lot of time in this. I put a lot of effort in this, scouting this out. Um, I feel bad for my wife because, you know, I'm looking through all this stuff. She's like, what are you doing over there? And it's like that meme, you know, and she's like, I wonder what he's thinking. And she already knows. It's football, 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 especially when it comes to the draft. It's constantly with that. So I know that she's always looking at that. So um, thank you guys for sticking through this. Um, I'm really looking forward to going through your mock drafts, and I'm sure that we're going to have some big things. Uh, uh, You know, it's going to be fun to watch the draft and have your picks and kind of see where they go. So, uh, again, I want to thank Buffalo Wild Wings for for sponsoring this, and I want to see who gets that $50, so that $50 gift card. So uh, I'll leave it here with a word from our sponsors, and uh, thanks again for listening, and the Peebs is out. Peepcast is brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. Head in and check out the new Bacon Smash Hatch Chili Burger featuring the best Hatch Chilies from Young Guns in New Mexico. Head in and check it out.